Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to be with you. Good to be with you online as well. Happy Juneteenth, this first uh, celebration uh, as a country of the liberation of freed slaves in 1865, and uh, so a great American uh, tradition to begin to recognize that important milestone in our country. Also an opportunity for me to tell you that our lead team here at Hope has embarked on a year-long study, so at our uh, monthly meetings, we are looking at African-American history from basically from Juneteenth into uh, the current time, and uh, it's been inspiring and eye-opening and uh, new information for me and for others, and so uh, it's been it's been a great study so far, and I look forward to opportunities to sharing what we're learning with you all in the days ahead. This is also Father's Day, so dads who are uh, here in the room, those of you who are tuned in, happy Father's Day to you guys. So since it's Father's Day, I thought I'd start with a story of a father. Um, it's really a parable written by C.S. Lewis, and in his seminal book, mere Christianity. In that book, Lewis wrote this little parable of a son, a a young boy who comes to his dad and says, Daddy, I want to buy you a gift. Would you give me sixpence? Which was, you know, basically pennies. And uh, so the father gives him the sixpence. The boy runs down to the store. He buys his dad this little gift, comes back, and presents the gift to his dad. And of course, the father is pleased and grateful for this son's act. But here's how Lewis concludes that story. Only an idiot would think that the father was sixpence to the good in this transaction. Sixpence, none the richer. So what Lewis was making the point of in this parable was that just like this child, everything that we have is a gift from the Father, our Heavenly Father. Everything that we have is a gift from God. So your ability to think and to move the gift of salvation, your ability to bless and care for others, all of those things that we have are a gift from God. And when we think that we're giving God something, the reality is it was all his all along. But like that father in the parable, God is blessed by our acts of generosity. We're in week three of a four-week series that we're calling We Were Made for This. And in week one, Pastor Rick talked about the fact that Jesus does big things through seemingly small offerings, loaves and fishes. And then last week, he talked about the fact that the efforts that we make now to grow our faith and to bless others will follow us into eternity. 
So this week, in week three, here's, here's kind of the takeaway, if you will. I'd put it this way. When you give away what you cannot keep, you keep that, you keep what you never want to lose. Let me do that one more time, right? When you give away what you cannot keep, you keep what you never want to lose. So generosity, right? Generosity is giving away what you won't have forever. The things that we give away, whether it's money or material possessions or time, those things are temporal, temporary. We don't get to keep them. What we do get to keep is the blessings we receive from God when we are generous. Let's listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in his second letter to the church at Corinth in, verse, or in chapter 9, verse 11. This is what he wrote. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way. Not just financially, but in every way. I'm going to cycle back to, to that idea in a couple of minutes. But here's what Paul says, right? You're going to be enriched. You folks are going to be enriched. Why? So that you can be generous. Not so that you can be rich. I've been asked on several occasions over the years if I think it's a sin to be rich. <laughs> and my answer, of course, is no, I don't think it's a sin to be rich. It's a sin to be selfish. It's a sin to hoard those blessings that we receive and keep them just for ourselves and fail to bless others through the ways that God has enriched our lives. I want to come back to this verse in a couple of minutes, but first I want to go to another part of the scriptures. Luke's gospel, the 19th chapter, as that chapter opens up, we're introduced to a guy named Zacchaeus. And what we know about Zacchaeus is he's a senior tax collector, which means that he is powerful, he's influential, he is a senior member of the Roman government and hated by the Jews. So that's what we know about this guy. And because of those positions, we also know that he was wealthy. So as the story opens up, Zacchaeus learns that Jesus is going to be in town. And he wants to meet Jesus for whatever reason. And actually not even meet him, he just wants to see him. And so he runs out to the street where Jesus is kind of walking down. 
and it's crowded, and Zacchaeus is a short dude, and so he can't see over the crowd. I feel his pain. <laughs> I know you were thinking it, so I just... <laughs> so he climbs up in a tree so he can see over the crowd, and he's watching, and here comes Jesus down the street, and Jesus stops at the tree where Zacchaeus is, Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And I think this is an important moment here. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He doesn't see a tax collector. He doesn't see a trader. He doesn't see someone who is um, uncared for, hated really by the others. He sees in that tree a man created in the image of God with all of the brokenness of sin and all of the blessings of God in that human being. And so Jesus stops at that tree and he says, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch. <laughs> right? And Zacchaeus is stunned and thrilled and climbs down out of that tree. And he goes, Lord, I'd love to have you as my guest at my house. Side note, Luke tells us that seeing what takes place, that the people in the crowd are displeased that Jesus is going to lunch with this sinful man, Zacchaeus. Jesus, realizing they're displeased, goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize this would displease you. I didn't know who he was. I didn't realize he was somebody that we're not supposed to like. Zacchaeus, I can't go to lunch with you. He didn't do that, right? <laughs> no. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was. Jesus knew that the crowd was displeased, and he didn't care about any of it. Because Jesus knew his mission. At the end of this story, you read that Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus knew his mission. So he wasn't worried about this man's reputation or about how the crowd viewed him. I think there's an important lesson for us, huh? So, Jesus goes with, Zacchaeus to his home for lunch. And I imagine it was a beautiful, beautiful home. And it was probably an amazing lunch. And it probably took some time for this unexpected guest, you know, for, for the lunch to be prepared and all of that stuff to go on. And so I'm sure there was great conversation. Luke doesn't share with us what the conversation was between Jesus and Zacchaeus as lunch was being prepared and as they ate lunch together. We don't know what was said there other than the impact of it was profound on Zacchaeus. Because here's what Zacchaeus says. Picking up in verse 8 of Luke 19, it says this. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, 
And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Wow, right? Zacchaeus meets Jesus and his whole perspective on what's important, what's valuable, what's enduring, it all changes. Now he's seeing not through the lens of the temporary or the temporal, but he's seeing through the lens of the eternal. And he recognizes that there's something more that he wants. All of this stuff is meaningless when I die. So let me use it to bless others while I'm living. Hearing that, this is how Jesus responds. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. What's that mean, to be a true son of Abraham? Abraham was known by the Jewish people as a man of profound faith who trusted God no matter what God asked of him, no matter what God called him to do, Abraham's response was always yes to God. He was a man known for his faith. And Jesus is saying, now this Zacchaeus is in that same camp, just like Abraham, a guy who chooses the eternal things of God over the temporary things of human beings. His whole, Zacchaeus' his whole paradigm changes from faith in himself and in his wealth to trusting in Christ. And the stuff that he gives away, so he's a wealthy man, right? Half, half, of all that he has, he gives in order to bless the poor. He's learned this idea, this lesson. It's better to keep what you can never lose. The blessings from God. He didn't end poverty in his day. But he blessed a bunch of people who then in turn gave their worship to God. There's a story, I've been looking for an opportunity to share with you all um, about somebody from here. Um, a woman named Marilyn McRae. I don't know if any of you here or any of you at home remember Marilyn. Um, you may not recognize the name, but if you saw her in the building, you may remember her because she was about four foot nothing. She was, she was quite short, um, but a force. A brilliant woman, an engineer by trade, and um, somebody who could be a little caustic, 
uh, walking around, and when you're that short, you kind of have to be. She came to, <coughs> excuse me, she came to Hope about 10 years ago, I would say, um, invited here by a friend, and she very quickly fell in love with this church and was a regular attender. In 2019, she was diagnosed with cancer and went into the hospital in early 2020 to have a tumor in her shoulder removed. And, um, and then after her recovery was sent to rehab, an uh, uh, in inpatient rehab to work on recovery of motion and, uh, and treatments for the cancer. And while she's in this rehab, the pandemic hits and everybody's in lockdown. So she's literally kind of imprisoned in this rehab. She can't leave because if she leaves, they won't let her back in because of fears of the, uh, of the virus. And, uh, and no one can go in to see her. So she's got a couple of lifelines. One is our online service that we had started that she would watch on Sunday mornings. And then on Monday nights, she was in an online Bible study, a Zoom Bible study, that my Marilyn was leading. And early in that Bible study, Marilyn McRae would talk to Marilyn Bills about the service that she saw the day before. And, um, and so the two women began to meet about 10 minutes before the rest of the folks would join the Zoom meeting for Bible study just to talk about what they were, uh, what Marilyn saw in the worship service and her reflections on both what she heard and what she saw. And one of the things that she was um, asking about is why is the picture so bad? <laughs> now, now you may not recall how bad it was, but we have an image from those days. Um, Take a look at this. <laughs> Pastor Rick looks like the wall, right, doesn't he? And the only reason I don't is because I've got a red shirt on. And uh, that was, those were the days where it was two men sitting on either side of a TV. Simple. <laughs> but the, the lighting uh, at that time was lighting from, you know, it was 20-year-old lighting, and it wasn't intended to do stuff on camera and so forth, and um, that, was, that was the best we could do, and it was okay, right? It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it was okay. And Marilyn McRae uh, called me at one point, and she said, you know, it, no, it really is terrible. <laughs> and you should fix it. And I said, you know, we would love to fix it, but fixing it is, is going to be a, a costly endeavor. And uh, she said, well, at some point, I'd, I'd like us to fix that. Sadly, in July of 2020, Marilyn passed away. Sadly for us, great for her, she is now in heaven. What we didn't know was that she had changed her will and left enough money in her will 
for us to be able to change out the lighting system here at Hope, right? And so this unit, for those of you in the room that can see it, the, the truss around the platform and the lighting um, was all new in 2021 because of the generosity of Marilyn McRae, who wanted no recognition for it. She wasn't asking for anybody to know about this. She just saw this need and wanted to do it. And as a result, what we're able to put out online is a better image. And people watch it and are blessed because of the service that we have here. Her generosity resulted in blessings to so many. And she wasn't just generous with her finances. When she was here, she went to Cuba with our team three of the four years that we went. And I remember Marilyn, she would go with the other Cuban women in this church compound, and she would sit with them preparing the meal for the afternoon and for the evening for our team and for folks in the church. And she just got to know these women and spent time with them. It was a beautiful thing. Marilyn said she wanted to help with VBS, but she wasn't good with children. And so she worked in the kitchen helping to prepare the snacks for the kids. She got close with three families and became an intimate member of those families. She used the blessings that God had given her, the way that he enriched her life. She used them as a means to bless others. When you give away what you can't keep, you keep what you never want to lose. So I'm going to go back now to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, remind you what it said. Let's listen to it again. You will be enriched in every way so that, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, Paul is saying, through his mission team, through the ministries that he had going on, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way. And I said earlier on, it wasn't just about finances, right? You will be enriched in every way. So in what ways has God enriched your life? One of the ways that God enriches our lives is through what are called spiritual gifts. Abilities that God gives to those who follow him that can be a blessing to others. And the Bible has a variety of different lists of these um, spiritual gifts. And it includes things like leadership, teaching, administration, hospitality, service, caring, faith, it's ways that God has wired you up to serve and to bless others. Now, if this concept is new to you, we just uh, finished here at 
at Hope over the last five weeks, a study called Hardwired. And it's about ways that we connect with God and, and these uh, spiritual gifts as part of that. And uh, we'll be doing that study again. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to do it next time it, it comes along. But you can also go online, meethope.org slash gifts, and there's a little inventory you can take, a personal inventory, that might help you to see what spiritual gift that God has wired into you. But the question then becomes, how do you use that gift to bless others? How do you use your God-given gifts to bless others in his name? Another way that God enriches us, in addition to financially and uh, through these gifts that he gives us to use for others, he gives us influence. There are people in your lives who you influence, your kids, your friends, neighbors, coworkers, the people in your sphere of influence. And so how do you use your influence to bless others for Christ? I was in a Bible study last week with a group of guys and we were talking about this in a roundabout way and one of the things that they were saying, People were agreeing that, you know, I I don't want to be obnoxious in my faith. Like, I don't want to arm twist people or make them uncomfortable talking about faith or try to get them to do something or believe something or judge them and all of that negative stuff, right? Nobody wants to do that. But then we talked about, well, how do you use your influence in their lives in ways that doesn't behave that way? And so they talked about things like, well, you know, just by mentioning the fact that I go to church, that's so out of the norm that that's, that's one of the ways I get to, I guess, influence them. Like, oh, you go to church, that's unusual. <laughs> do you do this on purpose? You know, like. <laughs> if you're in a small group, you know, to mention the fact that, hey, you know, not only do I go to church, I'm in this small group kind of thing and here's what we've been doing or talking about. it's just a way of sharing what you're doing in your faith that may have influence on the people around you. If somebody's struggling in your sphere of influence, among the things that you say as you're expressing care and concern and compassion to them is, can I pray for you? There's probably a lot of people in the world today, in your world today, who have never experienced someone praying for them or knowing that somebody is praying for them. It's a way that you get to influence others. You can invite them to worship in person, online, to come join you to be a part of this. I know some guys that uh, they do a little daily devotion, you know, and so sometimes they'll share it with a friend because, you know, there's something in it that, hey, this made me think of you or that situation you're in and I wanted to share this with you. All kinds of ways that we can influence the people around us and bless them in that way. And we as a community of faith are influencing people around us. You probably didn't know, but a couple of weeks ago, we had about 100 pastors from around the region here at this church, and the reason they brought them here is they wanted these pastors to experience 
what hope is like. I regularly receive phone calls from pastors and other church leaders asking about things that we're doing here because they've heard such great things and they want to know what's going on here. A number are watching our services online and commenting about what they're seeing, what they're learning here. Last week, a pastor said to a group of our staff, you guys are my heroes. <laughs> that was a nice moment. I'm not sharing this as a matter of pride because this isn't about us. We have been blessed. We have been enriched in every way so that we can bless others who in turn will give thanks and glory to God. Let me close with this. I don't know if you've heard, but the U.S. economy is not doing well. Anybody shocked? <laughs> right? It's not going well. This isn't the first time, right? This is not a new idea. Back in the early 90s, when the church first started, we were in the midst of economic hard times. And yet, in the midst of that, hope continued to do well. In 2001, after the uh, attack on our country, the economy was struggling. And through that time, Hope Church did well. In 2008, when the economy got really scary, Hope Church continued to do well. And that's for one reason, that people who trust God, trust God in the bad times as well as in the good times. Because we recognize that when you give away what you cannot keep, you keep what you never want to lose. That's the nature of generosity. And that's why I say often that I want generosity for you, not generosity from you. God blesses those who bless others. Would you stand with me as we close for prayer? So Lord, I give you thanks for the ways that you enrich our lives in so many ways. We are grateful. And Lord, I pray that we would never be selfish with those things that you give to us or prideful that somehow we think that these gifts that you give us are ours to keep and if we give some away, we deserve praise. We don't. Lord, we recognize that all the praise, all the glory, all of the honor is yours, the giver of all good gifts. So in the midst of these challenging times, Lord, we recognize that your church was made for this, that we get to be light to the world and say that we don't operate on fear, 
because we know who we trust. The one who is trustworthy. The one who is the rock in the midst of our storms. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we give you thanks and praise and ask that you would lead us through this coming week. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.